0: To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weightloss.
1: That's plushcare.com slash weightloss.
0: Can you see it? Did you notice? Check, but the puck comes
1: right to Pedersen, who tries a bank pass for Besser. In with a shot, he scores! The moment's notice, head
0: cover the Canucks. Yeah. I cover Quinn Hughes and what he's doing to the Canucks. Roll by, hold my Just wave the guy and
1: get Demko involved. I wanted him in and down Day. Wow,
0: really?
1: we should do a radio show together. <laughs> <laughs> right on! I want to fist bump you right now. What our Pearl steals, cutting in, shoots,
0: scores. <laughs>
1: Hello Canucks fans, welcome back to another episode of the Canucks Conversation, episode 98, and we are fired up once again. Not because we're drinking Parallel 49 beer, but because the Vancouver Canucks have evened up the series against the Vegas Golden Knights. I got Vacation Quads on the line. I believe this will be the last time Vacation Quads makes an appearance on the podcast. So before we get going, Quads, your review on Crown Apple.
0: Fantastic, with a little 7-up as you suggested. Wonderful, and my friends actually have not—they hadn't, hadn't tried it before And we had it on that maybe third night And they were loving it So we, we finished all the 7-up We've got a little less than half of the crown Remaining, so we might have to make a run To a corner store, grab some more 7-up But we were we were doing a couple shots just by itself You know, it Ooh. burns your throat a little bit But, you know, it was fine
1: That's good, well I'm glad that David Claudrelli Here is on the line with me To break down this Canovsky that we just saw Because you know what, Quads First game was tough to watch man I don't have to tell you that, I don't have to tell the listeners that But we knew that that was a horrible game for the Vancouver Canucks That wasn't the game that they had to play to stay in the series They come out in game 2 after a 5-2 shellacking of the Vegas Golden Knights A big game from Tyler Tofoli. a big game from Elias Pettersson Um, And I kind of want to just start right there How much better does this Canucks top 6 look when you have Tyler Tofoli in the lineup?
0: Much better, you know I'm a Louis Erickson truther But Tyler Tofoli is a big upgrade on Louis Erickson Here's the thing I see with this team, you know, we watched them against the Minnesota Wild, that first game against the Wild was abysmal, right? There was people, (laughs) there was just so many people saying, wow, this Canucks team is not going to even compete against the Wild, and if you watch that first game, if you go back and watch it, it would appear that way, but they totally came back, they came back in the series, we know what happened, we look at the Vegas series, same sort of thing. You can't even compare what the Canucks did last night against what they did in Game 1 against the Vegas Golden Knights, that was... The the comparisons just aren't there because they didn't even look like the same team out there. And I mean, you know, it was it was really nice to see that they weren't focusing too much attention on Reeves, and when I say they, I mean the Canucks and the broadcast, because Reeves was you know, he was chirping a lot, whatever, you know, we see Drance's tweets talking about what the players are saying on the ice. You know, it's not very friendly stuff, but Reeves is not really a difference maker in this series You know, he was good in game one, he helped them out But in terms of puck possession, everything that, you know, actually matters on the score sheet Reeves just wasn't there, and sure, he was a distraction But again, like, it's not like Reeves is pairing, or matching up against Elias Pettersson and Quinn Hughes, right? Like, it's, he's he's matching up against Antoine Roussel And I mean, you're not really worried about that If Reeves is all of a sudden taking runs at Pettersson and Hughes You're a little more like, okay, like, what's going on here? But why don't you put Reeves out there? Why don't you watch what happens if you put Ryan Reeves out there against Elias Patterson and Quinn Hughes? Because it's going to be a lot of what we saw Elias Patterson do to Robin Lehner, and that is deking people out of their jock straps.
1: Absolutely, and I think that that was, you know, looking at that matchup, where the fourth line is going up against the Vancouver Canucks' fourth line. You're seeing the Jay Beagle line, Tyler Mott, and Jake Vertanen, who, by the way, played quite a few minutes tonight uh, as a trio. I mean, they played the third most consistent minutes out of all the lines that played together at 5-on-5. And I'm starting to think that that line is kind of going to have to be the one that matches up against that Reeves line. And that Reeves line was uh, actually pretty good at controlling play in the offensive zone tonight. Uh, I think Chandler Stevenson and William uh, Carrier, or Carrier, whoever you say his name, uh, both of those players are fast, man. Like they can definitely get in and compete on a on a four check. And then, yeah, Ryan Reeves is a guy who's gonna talk a lot. Um, and though, you know, the broadcast has been going a little bit crazy for Ryan Reeves for sure. Uh, we haven't really talked <laughs> about that very much. But you know what? Like, to a certain point, they, you know, to a certain degree, they they actually do have a point. You know, when Ryan Reeves is on the ice, you know, as the biggest heavyweight in the league, you know, he he might not be an analytics guy, but he, you know that he's on the ice when he's on the ice, right? You have to be aware of it. Unfortunately, because of the physicality that he brings to the game. Like, you have to be aware of that. But, at the same time, I think you should be able to be aware of that he's on the ice and he's not a great player defensively. You know, and maybe that's something that you could take advantage of with that fourth line. And maybe that's why Jake Vertanen slides in there because, you know, if Jake Vertanen flies down the wing on Ryan Reeves, there's no way he's keeping up yeah, with Jake. Exactly. And he, if he gets behind one of those defensemen, I think that's the problem with the Vegas Golden Knights for me. The, the hardest thing to beat Is not their defense Like their defense is beatable for sure Especially in their own zone Like they move the puck well But in their own zone they're beatable But the thing that's going to hold the Canucks back From scoring goals in this series Is the five man defense group That you're going to see when they're in their own zone Like they have some of the best defensive forwards In the NHL And when you put those guys You know rolling four lines They're going to control a lot of possession Just because of how good that forward group is defensively Because honestly the defense core Doesn't really worry me that much From the Vegas Golden Knights It's all about the forwards to me
0: yeah you're absolutely right and we see it with the Mark Stone The patch line like that's a line that can play well On it's own end right and I mean That's that's what Vegas is putting out and I mean That's a good line you see them on the power play Even like their power play is really dangerous Which is why it was really frustrating To see how bad the refs were once again yeah. And I think it was Steve Kozari uh, again and I think that was the Last one we complained about on this show <laughs> You know, uh, you know I, I know you want to talk about the defense but I really want to talk about the refs like there needs to be media availability for refs Like, explain your call At least, oh man, I'm just going to ramble on about refs Which is something I don't like to do But on that call, where Besser flips it out Goes off the glass And, you know, the puck clearly changes direction It goes out, right? I know it's, uh, for whatever reason It's not a reviewable play You know, that's a flaw by the league It's not the ref's fault, whatever at least look up at the Jumbotron You see how many screens are in the Edmonton bubble Like in Rogers plays right now Like I've never seen so many freaking screens in my life And they're not allowed to use them Like why can't they look up and see Oh well there's a change in direction Like they have to talk to each other And not one of them looks at the screen That's flashing the replays everywhere Like I, I just don't get it I-, I don't get why you don't want to make the right call And you're like no it's the integrity of the game The, The refs really need to make the call by themselves Like why not give them that help if it's there We have so much technology now Why not give them the help if it's there? It's just, it doesn't make sense to me And then, even that Vertanen penalty Or, sorry, the one against Vertanen Where they get into it He pulls off, uh, I think it was Tuck's helmet And then Tuck goes after him He gets four, Vertanen gets two I mean, Tuck was throwing punches, that's probably why But even then, like, it was just like I don't know, I I found a lot of the calls In the last series questionable The one against Minnesota questionable And now, I mean, it it looks like not much has changed And you just kind of, like, scratch your head a bit I don't know
1: Yeah, I think, um some of those penalties and You see the way that they're called and I think you look At it the when they're called in the games um, That one against the boards obviously That's the wrong call that's that's Something that I'm sure that we're going to hear about in the offseason Like that's going to be a rule that gets changed That's going to be something that you can review in the future um, Reviewing everything still isn't the Best move for me just because I think that um, There are certain Things that you need refs to make split second decisions On and you need them to stick by that um, There's a lot of stuff that about reviews that I don't like uh, One of the things is not Making every single play reviewable, but that's one that is like I mean that's one you can check quickly. Did it touch the boards? Yes. It takes you you know ten seconds to get under the the hood or whatever and look at that screen and see that it hit the board. So that that's fine. But I don't want to get too much into the rest because um, I thought the Canucks played a good game all in all. Um, the top performers for me, Elias Pettersson, obviously uh, comes up with a big three point night. Tyler Toffoli as well scores nine seconds into his return with the Vancouver Canucks. But as good as those two were. Quads was Jacob Markstrom the best of the bunch
0: You know what I think it's either Patterson or Markstrom man. you know you and I Have had the MVP debate many times on this show Without either of those guys tonight There's no way the Canucks are winning and I mean What can you say about Jacob Markstrom right just staring Down shots again this guy Is an elite goaltender you and I have been saying It for so long like he's Legitimately, he could be a top two goaltender in the league, and he's not even up for the Vesna. That's another conversation. But we know Jacob Markstrom's a good goaltender. You know, Kevin Woodley gave me that stat. He didn't allow one clear sight shot all season long, and I know he allowed like three or four against Minnesota. But what a clear clear sight shot is is anytime that the shooter had a second, like an actual second, to look at Markstrom and the puck. He had the puck on his stick, and Markstrom had a time to get set. He had a second. Markstrom didn't allow one of those And he was the only goaltender in the league Who didn't allow one of those And I know, you know, we talked about that Minnesota game He collapsed a bit, but the Canucks pulled it out, doesn't matter And I mean, this this is an elite goaltender that we're looking at, right? And I mean, tonight he sets the, sets the record He either tied or passed Kirk McClain For most postseason games with 30 plus saves or more You know, that's a testament to how many shots The Canucks defense bleeds but the point remains, like, Jacob Markstrom's holding them in these games, right? Like, without Jacob Markstrom, there's no way that the Canucks are winning this game. And, I mean, you know, the same can be said for Elias Patterson. The guys on an ELC, You, you it doesn't get much more valuable than that. But, man, without either of these guys, I'm, I'm scared to see what the Canucks would have done tonight.
1: Oh, 100%. And, you know, like, I I look at what Jacob Markstrom's able to do. He makes 38 saves on the night, uh, facing 40 shots. This is the type of thing that that I've talked about all year long. I mean, if Jacob Markstrom can stay over, over 920 for his save percentage, you know, and he was 950 tonight, that's when the Canucks wins. Like, the recipe for the Canucks to win these playoff games is very simple. You either get scoring from your top six, right? Like, you get a lot of scoring from your top six. Or you get some scoring from your top six, and and then an added scoring from the bottom six, and good goaltending. Like that's all the Canucks need to do. And if they win the special teams battle, then that's when you see them win by three, four goals, right? Like that's that's the recipe for the Vancouver Canucks. That's simple like that. Like. But the problem is, you, when you see a game like game one, and then you see a game like game two, it just feels like you're getting a different Canucks team in this. So I don't know where the Canucks are gonna come back in game three, but I think that when they, when they go out there and they get a commanding win like they did in game two, for these young players, it's good for them to know that this series isn't going to go the way of a zero to five loss every single time that you go out there and skate against this great Vegas Golden Knights team. Like the Canucks have it in them to win games. They just know this. They, you know, they they could have won this game five one if it wasn't for a late goal uh, from Patcharetti there, uh, and you know, adding an empty net instead of that Patcharetti goal. You're looking at a five one game. That's a pretty commanding win. Even a five two game is a big win for the Canucks. And I think getting that first win. Now the series is on. You know, like now the se- I'm glad that they got their best. I got, I'm glad that they got the win just in game two because I really thought that after game one, this Vegas team could came out, like, could have came out in game two, played the exact same game, and then it would have been real big trouble. Like, this wouldn't have been a series till the Canucks are down 2-0 and, and, you know, maybe they come out and win game three. But the fact that they were able to come back in game two and get a win and now make it a best-of-five series, I mean, you know, the Canucks are undefeated in best-of-five series so far. So I- I'm liking the way they're looking right now and the fact that these young players now know. That it's possible to beat the Vegas Golden Knights handedly. Like, they gotta have a lot of confidence going into game three now, which is huge for this team, especially with the boost of
0: Toffoli's to the lineup. Yeah, and I mean, you know, you can't even pin that first game on Markstrom, right? But this second game, you know, there there was a lot of shots that he saved that could have been goals. And I mean, if he had let them in, you wouldn't have said they were Markstrom's fault. That's how good he was tonight. And I mean, when we talk about confidence, I mean it starts in net, right? And I mean, you know, Pedersen's getting chirped a lot, whatever they're calling them, squirt. Uh, There was that very funny tweet from Roxy Fever. I won't read it on air, but you should definitely go look at it. Uh, They're calling him squirt. They're yelling at Hughes. They were yelling at Edler, which I found very, very, you know, funny at the end. Like, they were down... I don't know what score was at that point I think it was 4-1 when Edler took that cross checking penalty On Riley Smith mm. And they were yelling at him, they're calling him an old fart Whatever. It's just like, man, I, I just I don't know, I, I don't like to read too much into that I mean, I love that Drence is reporting on it And that he's talking about it, it's pretty funny actually It's pretty unique, but, you know When it comes to confidence, I mean You're throwing out trips like that when you're down 4-1 I don't like it, I think the Cocks are very confident I mean we were worried about Elias Pettersson at times. We were like, "Oh, maybe, maybe he'll be one of those guys in the playoffs. He just kind of goes silent, like a Johnny Gaudreau, whatever." That's not Elias Pettersson. Like this, this guy, and I can't believe we haven't mentioned this yet. He is leading everybody in the playoff points race right now, more than Nathan McKinnon. You know, more than Quinn Hughes, his teammate, who remarkably is, like, very close behind him in this race. You know, what we're seeing right now from Elias Pettersson at the ripe age of 21 years old is nothing short of remarkable.
1: Right, and I want to continue that Pettersson talk a little bit, but also bring in the guy that you just mentioned there in Quinn Hughes. Um, Hughes has, you know, he's struggled in the first two games. Um, In this series, I thought, I I saw him in Game 2, obviously struggled in Game 1. I thought Game 2, he wasn't... That much better as well. I think that he's been struggling against his Vegas Golden Knights team. Uh, I I just looked at the numbers here. I mean, his Corsi percentage in Game Two, uh, he's on the ice for seven. Sorry, let me get this right. He's on the ice for eight shots 4 while the other team gets twenty one shots with him on the ice. This that's one of the worst Corsi numbers I've seen from Quinn Hughes with a twenty seven percent control of shot attempts. Are you worried really very much? Tough. Are you very are you worried about this because it, you know he's obviously getting a tough matchup. Uh, He played 13 minutes of 5-on-5 tonight You see guys like Troy Stetcher and Alex Edler Playing much more time uh, in the zone And, you know, just to give a quick shout-out to Troy Stetcher I thought he played excellent tonight Uh, Played just a shade under 20 minutes um, And I thought he was, you know, one of the better Canucks in this game But let's let's get back to Quinn Hughes Because what is it about him that worries you? Because I think for a long time, especially in the playoffs Like, obviously we were talking about how good Pedersen is That's what Canucks fans are going to do But... I heard the conversations out there saying, you know, like, is Petters- is, is Quinn Hughes the better player out of Pedersen and Hughes? Um, And obviously Pedersen's been excellent right now and is proving that he's, you know, not only one of the best players on the Canucks team, but possibly one of the best players in the NHL at the points that he's putting up. Um, As for Quinn Hughes, though, like, what is it about his game that's worrying you a little bit? Because it seems like something's just, you know, something's a little bit off in these first two games against the Vegas Golden Knights.
0: It's hard to pinpoint it, but when you watch and you know you line it up with the analytics, like he looks just like a step behind. you know what I mean? Like it almost looks like you know when he's out there, it just looks like he's not really up to speed and I mean he's moving his feet, it's not his skating and it, it's hard to it's hard to pinpoint it because you just watch the game and you're like he just doesn't look like Quinn Hughes right? and I mean it's hard to pinpoint it really is, but he looked fine on the power play, I thought, which is like his bread and butter. But again, like even there, I just, you know, I I feel like he's not skating as hard right now. And that's, you know, that's hurting him a little bit. I don't know. I mean, it could be tired. It could be fatigue. It could be an injury. We don't know. It's the playoffs, right? But, you know, he absolutely does not look like how he did in the first two rounds. Uh, And, you know, well, the play in round, the first round, whatever. Um, You know, and now we're seeing, you know, everybody else kind of step up, right? And Stetcher has a big game. You know, Tanev's out there with him, has a big game. Edler had a good game at five on five, took a few more penalties than maybe you'd like. But again, like the the team is kind of stepping up, and I thought Jordy Ben had a good game as well. I'm not so worried about Quinn Hughes as much as I am. You know, I'm not worried about him as a player as I am, like, wow, I hope he's not hurt, right? And I hope right. he's not trying to play through something that could affect him down the line. Right. I, I really hope he's not playing hurt. You know, he probably is, he could be, but I, I'm not worried about him. You know what I mean? Like I think if he's healthy, He's not playing how he is right now.
1: Yeah, and I think the thing that I'm seeing right now with Quinn Hughes is, it's almost like like he has the conf- He's playing with confidence. I feel like like he's making good passes. I think out of the zone, but he's not able to skate it up as much as possible. Like he he's skating into the offensive zone with the puck, and normally he would you know cut real hard turn back and then look for a pass or if he didn't get the pass you'd simply just skate backwards and start working towards the blue line but right now it's Mm -hmm. like he comes in with full speed he goes to cut that thing that he normally does when the when the forward or defenseman that's covering him you know has a step on him and Quinn Hughes does that kind of turn back to the blue line but he's falling down like he's falling down almost every single time that he's doing that Uh, and I don't know if that's the Vegas Golden Knights getting in on him or getting a body on him very much because like What's underrated about this Vegas Golden Knights team is how big a lot of their forwards are. Like, their forwards are big. Like, there's a lot of guys over six foot one on this team. Uh, And if those, if you're leaning a body on Quinn Hughes, then, you know, it, it obviously means something on a guy that has a stature like Hughes. And I think that what we're seeing is they are going out of their way to make sure that they finish their hits on Quinn Hughes, right? So maybe that is something that he's battling a little bit. Um, but there are times where he's looked great still, right? I mean, he's still putting up a lot of points. He's still looking pretty solid on the power play. Uh, we saw the the uh, Vegas Golden Knights take away the top part of the power play there, like they 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 watched them go against the Blues and the Blues were giving them Patterson, Miller, and Hughes. And now the the Vegas Golden Knights are going with the complete opposite, right? Like they're going to take away the top, and that's opening up spots for for Bo Horvat to go to work, and which was so huge. And I want to dive into this next with the quads because Tyler Toffoli... The way that he plays on that power play completely opens up a brand new door for a guy yeah. like JT Miller and Elias Petterson when they have the puck on the wing because Brock Besser simply was not a part of the power play when he was playing down low because that's the way that Tyler Toffoli plays and Tyler
0: Toffoli brought so much to that power play unit today. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I you know we talk about the power plays quite a bit on this show. I like Brock Besser on the second unit. You know, that's a shoot-first unit, and I mean, I wish Tyler Myers were there right now. He's not, but, you know, Tyler Toffoli just suits that style better, right? The cycling style and the way that that unit likes to play. He's perfect in the position that he's in right now, and you're right, we saw Brock Besser struggle a little bit in that same position. I thought that move that Toffoli tried between the legs tonight, Did you do, you do you know the one I'm talking about?
1: Yeah, that's uh, reminding me of Pod Colson's attempt this morning, actually. He tried
0: the same thing. Speaking of which... We're going to go to break later in this show, but at the end of the show, stay tuned for a prospect update from Faber because I don't stay up to watch these games right now. I'm on vacation, but I actually, you know what? I'm going to watch some KHL games when I get back home. I'm going to get you to send me the links to all those sketchy Russian websites. But stay tuned for a Pod Colson update. Anyway, to Foley, the between the legs move was really just like to me, that just shows that the guy is playing with so much confidence, and that's what the Canucks paid for, right? They paid for a guy that could be a part of their playoff roster and play with confidence in the playoffs. They wanted a guy that they knew what they were getting with, and Tafoli's been everything that they wanted, really. Like, you can't complain about Tafoli's performance. I thought he was great tonight. That pass from Pedersen was remarkable, and I think everything kind of just goes back to Pedersen, even the power play unit. Like, having him out there just elevates the game of everybody else, right? I mean, I really tip my hat to Travis Green for what he's done with these lines. I really like the idea of um, Miller and Besser with Horvat taking away that kind of the lotto line. He's splitting it up. He's putting Pedersen with you know, the second line wingers, basically, with Pearson and Toffoli, I really like that from Green, I think that's great, and I mean, you were clamoring for a long time to see Toffoli and Pearson together, well, now you've seen it, and you were right, it was pretty good, you can't complain about that line's performance tonight.
1: Yeah, I sure didn't expect to see Elias Pedersen go back to being a center, you know, like, in the play, like, oh man, like, could you imagine Botch right now seeing Elias Petterson go back to being the guy taking faceoffs and like being the natural center? Like after all Botch did for Pettersson when he was coming into the league about people saying that he wouldn't be a center, like he would be loving seeing Elias Pettersson jump back to being a guy who's taking faceoffs on a second line with with two guys from that '70s line who have won a Stanley Cup together. You're gonna put Elias Pettersson between them to play center. Like I love the way that that line worked, and you know what? There was times where where they were a little bit dominated in this game, and like the second period looked like game one, right? Like the second period was a bad one for the Vancouver Canucks. They were outshot twenty two to seven uh, in that second period. Absolutely dominated. Fifty shot attempts in one period for the Vegas Golden Knights. Fifty shot attempts. That is absolutely ridiculous. Can you imagine the work that you're doing as Jacob Markstrom when in twenty minutes of play you're facing like every single minute of that period. You're facing two and a half shot attempts per minute. Like, that's absolutely ridiculous that Jacob Marshall goes through that. And to say that he came out of that second period, like, only allowing one goal <laughs> is absolutely ridiculous. And if you don't think Jacob
0: Marshall is the MVP of this team, you're wrong. <laughs> First of all. I miss botch so much, like today and every day, right? Like, just I wish he could see this team. And you know, everybody talks. His last line was just so fitting, right? Like, I can't wait for it to go the other way. That's what he said in his last line, and now it's going the other way. And you just wish he were here to see it, right? It's just, man, you're you're absolutely right. By the way, about Pedersen just being a center, like. Any challenge you throw to Elias Patterson, he's just going to knock it out of the park. And I mean, we need to stop being surprised by things Elias Patterson does. Because even I, like my jaw hit the floor when he pulled off that move (laughs) on Leonard. I was like, that's something he tries in the shootout when he has tons of time to think about it. But he did that in the blink of an eye. Like that was, he had like less than a second to process that and decide he was doing that move. And to pull it off as well as he did, The, the kid is just remarkable. But... You know, back to Jacob Markstrom in the defense. You're right. All those shot attempts are not good. But you know what stat I that they flashed on the broadcast that really caught my attention was the 40 plus blocked shots that the Canucks had. And I think Vegas finished the night with under 20. And I mean, you look at the comparison there. I mean, You just see guys like Pedersen with the Flamingo kick block and all the other guys who are just blocking shots out there. This is a team that really has bought in and they're all playing for each other. I don't know, like, I, I really like the way the Canucks are playing right now. You'd like to see them get hemmed in their own end a little less, but with their top four defensemen out in Tyler Myers and Quinn Hughes not playing at his best, I thought the Canucks played pretty well defensively tonight, all things considered. I mean completely Like You look at the game 93 shot attempts by the
1: Vegas Golden Knights 40 shot blocks by the Vancouver Canucks The only two Canucks that didn't block a shot uh, Adam Gaudet and Brock Besser, So y'all need to step your game up uh, But you look at what Chris Tanev does He blocks six shots in this game That's just a typical night for Tanev Jay Beagle goes out there and blocks five shots Some huge ones on the penalty kill And then I'm looking at the top of this list I see names like Bo Horvat, JT Miller, Elias Pettersson Like all in all this was the best like, it's weird to say because the Vegas Golden Knights had so many shots, right? Like, they had so many shot attempts. They had 40 shots on goal against Jacob Markstrom and so many shot attempts, including 50 in the second period, which is absolutely ridiculous. And probably the name of this episode, by the way, because that is absolutely nuts. Um, but to think that the Canucks blocked 40 shots, blocked, you know, 40 of the 93 attempted shots the Vancouver Canucks blocked. That is a massive number. You know, that's getting in front of your goaltender, laying it on the line in a game where you need to win this game. You go to, you go down two nothing to the Vegas Golden Knights, you can you know already start shining up your golf clubs because you're not gonna you're not gonna need your stick anymore in the summer. You're gone. You're going home. You're getting out of the bubble. Uh, you know, you get to go see your kids, which is also a great thing for a lot of these guys. But um, but also, you win you win this series. You do get to see your kids as well, as they'll be able to come in uh, for the Western Conference Final, which. It's crazy to think that the Vancouver Canucks are three wins away uh, From the Western Conference Final Uh, But we are going to get into a couple more things on the other side But uh, we're going to take a quick break here Give a quick shout out to our two sponsors uh, Our presenting sponsor Parallel 49 And of course Zephyr Epic as well Big shout out to Zephyr They got a... uh, a brand new, you know, next year's cards Are here now, man, and the MVP cards are out For the 2020-21 season Go check those out, Alexis Lafreniere Rookie card, baby, uh, hopefully we'll get some Passion, then soon we'll do some, uh, openings for you guys But let's go to break, uh, right now And you know what, forget it, quads, we're just gonna go Keep going live, I'm gonna continue on, I'm just gonna give a quick shout out to Parallel 49 Brewing As I'm doing live ads, people tend to like the live ads You just heard one from Zephyr Epic Z-E-P-H-Y-R Epic.com, check them out And our other presenting sponsor, is Is Parallel 49 beer All their summer beers are coming in right now That's right Fruit beer lovers like myself Rejoice as all of the Parallel beers Are turning into summer mode And you guys can check them out at 1950 Triumph Street Or Check them out on Instagram to check out their fire Instagram stories, letting you know all the best beer out there. And you can follow them at Parallel49Beer. That's at Parallel, then the number is 49Beer. All right, Quads, people love the live ad reads because we just keep flowing right on with the episode. Wow. And that was a really good one by me. First take, no big deal. All right, let's continue to talk about this game. I'm wondering, was there anything else that kind of stuck out to you, Quads, in... In this game too, because it, this this was an absolutely dominant game for the Vancouver Canucks and a huge bounce back for them uh, when they really needed it most.
0: You know what guy I noticed, and I don't, I haven't even looked at his numbers in this game on Natural Stat Trick or anything, but Jordy Ben. What was Jordy Ben's game like? Because to me, like this was a guy when I was watching him, he was playing some big minutes. It seemed like he was killing penalties, and I mean. He looks pretty good out there, and I mean, he's a step up on levy, right? I mean, that's who they'd have to have in right now with Myers down. It'd be either Rafferty or Ulevi. And I mean, thank God Jordy Ben's fiancé gave birth to their kid in time. They, he's able to get to the bubble, but I mean... I don't know. I've just I've liked what I've seen from Jordy Ben so far. I don't, I haven't looked at his numbers again. I just I'm going. <laughs> it's funny that you haven't. Uh,
1: so yeah, he passes the eye test for sure, and I think that's something Jordy Ben's always going to do. Uh, he was on the ice for one shot, four and eight shots against. Uh his Corsi numbers were he oh. controlled twenty percent of the shot attempts. But like honestly, quads, you're right though. Like Jordy Ben, um I thought this was one of his worst games that he's played in actually, but I think that you know, you watch him in game one and I thought he was actually pretty good. One of the better defensemen. I think I gave him the top performer uh when my Canucks Army report came out for wow. what he did in game one because I thought that, that was the only one that, you know, did anything was that third pairing. Um but looking at what Jordy Ben's able to do, he steps in, he's a seventh defenseman, he's covering for Tyler Myers, who you know, you saw the boost that, that Tyler Toffoli brought to the team Coming back healthy I, I seriously think that Tyler Myers can have a similar one You know, a similar boost to this Canucks team when he comes back um, And I don't think that's going to be very long You know, maybe, maybe the Canucks have him in Game 5 Or Game 4 potentially even is what I've kind of heard um, so we will see what happens with Tyler Myers and if he comes back or not, and if you know what kind of impact he can make for this team. Because I think he can make an impact that's similar to what we see um, from a guy like Tyler Toffoli. Because Tyler Myers is going to be able to go back and play in your top four, and then you move. To, you know, Troy Stetcher, who's had a really good series, moves down to that third pairing again, and you're really getting back mm-hmm. to having a good, you know, a solid defense core.
0: I think uh, when you're moving forward with that guy. Yeah, I mean, you Troy Stetcher has the ability to step up and play in the top four but you, you don't want to play with fire for too long, right? Like we saw Stetcher have a weak game not too long ago. And I mean, when Myers comes back, who goes out for you? Is it Fantenberg or is it Ben? If I'm Travis Green and I'm trying to think what Travis Green's going to do because you know how much I like to do that instead of giving what I think should happen. You know, if tra- if if Travis Green makes this decision and Nolan Baumgartner, whoever goes into it, the coaching staff to me... I think that they're going to take out Fandenberg and it's going to be Ben and Stetcher back on a third pairing. What yeah. do you think?
1: I mean, here's the thing. Jordy Ben plays his best hockey when he's on the right side. He's currently playing on the right side. Um, and I just I don't know if Green goes away from his original decision to have Fantenberg as the guy that's gonna, you know, roll as that as that third pairing left side guy. I don't know if he's gonna go away from that. Um I don't know if Ben's game has been hmm. that much better than Fantenbergs that you would have to say that Ben needs to play over him because honestly Fantenberg's been pretty good too like he, i think he was really good yeah, later later on in the blue series i thought he was really good he maybe hasn't stuck out as much uh as Jordy Ben did in game 1 as being one of the guys that was actually playing pretty well uh against Vegas but i, I didn't think in game 2 that Ben was that much better than Fantenberg and i don't think green would go away from uh you know appearing that he worked throughout the playoffs in Troy Stetcher and Oscar Fantenberg so though i, I like i get where you're coming from And I think if Jordy Ben was, like, if he was just being a little bit more physical and, like, wanted to drop the gloves against somebody Mm. and, like, you know, just take, you know, drop the gloves and take a go at one of these Vegas guys when they start to chirp too much, you know, like, if Jordy Ben was playing that type of game, I think that we would be having a different conversation because he brings something to the lineup that... You know, there's also a guy like Zach McEwen does, right? But there's just not a spot for Zach McEwen right now. Um, Jake Frattanen I guess, is your next guy up to drop the gloves, it seems like, which is too bad uh, for the Canucks. Uh, but I think that Jordy Ben, like, if he played that role, then there is a spot for him over Oscar Fantenberg on this team. But for me, I don't see Green going away from Fantenberg on that third pairing for Jordy Ben to hop in. Fantenberg
0: would be my pick, but I just have a feeling Travis Green really loves himself some Jordy Ben like i don't know i i, I mean you're it's obviously going to be Setcher on the third pairing so you'd be moving Ben back to the left side we know how much he likes that lefty righty thing and i think it might be killing green right now to have ben on the right side but he's performed well i i don't know why he performs better on the right side and i mean i asked him this at the first training camp this season and i asked like do you prefer the right side he's like no it literally makes no difference for me like None, it makes no difference for him And I just, I don't I don't get that personally But, you know, if it works for him, whatever And I mean, I, I didn't have the confidence At the time to say, hey, did you know that your numbers Technically are better when you're on the right side Than the left side? Didn't ask him that question But I, although I do regret it You know, I I can really see Travis Green Scratching Fantenberg and putting Ben in But to me, like, has been the one that's played better throughout the playoffs. And again, you're going back to a pairing that you've already tried with Fantenburg Stetcher. And who knows what's going to happen when you put Jordy Ben and Troy Stetcher together, right? Like, you're already comfortable with Fantenburg Stetcher. They got you through the St. Louis series, they got you through the Minnesota series. You're going to be comfortable with that third pairing. So, I mean, I think that might make Jordy Ben the odd man out. I don't know. Like, I don't know. I, I stand by it that I think Travis really loves himself some Ben. So we'll have to wait and see. But if it's my pick, it's Fantenburg. Yeah,
1: Um, I'm sitting in that boat I I, I think that Green goes with Fattenberg too So uh, we'll see uh, when Tyler Myers does return That's going to be a big add to this team Uh, But we're we're not going to be going on for a super long episode today Um, I'm going on vacation uh, starting tomorrow I've got one of my best friend's weddings to attend I'll be emceeing that Um, And Quads is just kind of wrapping up his vacation now But without giving away your location, Quads How's it been for the last couple days of this vacation? Let the people know uh, what you've been up to
0: Fantastic And you know you and I Well you need this too Because you're going to you're going to the wedding Which is great But I really needed this Right before school starts Like you know this is going to be hell When we go back to school Like <laughs> eight classes Eight classes a semester It's going to be yeah. ridiculous And you and I are going to be in this together So it's going to be pretty funny Because neither of us can quit If one of us drops out We both have to drop out So we can't drop out Is basically what I'm saying So this is this was a great trip for me I really really enjoyed it Went to the beach today Got nice and burned on my thighs, my really really white thighs. So a little tanned all throughout now. Uh, got got a little more color today. Uh, it was yeah, I don't know. It's 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 been fantastic and yeah, like you said, the crown's been flowing. Uh, the claws, <laughs> I have one claw left, so I'm gonna slam that back before I get back on Friday. And I'm really excited. I'm actually going to go to Pasta Amore probably on Friday night with my brother. Not really sure though, so we'll see. But that was where I went right before I left, and that's probably where I'll go right when I get back. What's um? I sent
1: you a Snapchat today from Olive Garden. Um, I'm gonna give oh. my thing on Olive Garden before you go off because I know you want to. But um, the breadsticks and the soup for free at the start—that is awesome. You get a lot of breadsticks; they're pretty solid. I bought some um, some five cheese marinara to dip it in. Overall, pretty solid. Obviously, nowhere close to the level of pasta more. But I left there with a huge portion because I ate. F- we split about fifteen breadsticks throughout the the meal, or maybe maybe close to twelve. But I mean, like you get the free breadsticks thrown in front of you, you got to eat them, right? So we ate a lot of the breadsticks. Um, they wow. had raspberry lemonade, which was, uh, you know, you know me and my lemonade quads. The so people know wow. I'm obsessed with my lemonade, so I had a few few too many raspberry lemonades. Um, and I'll tell you what, man, it, it came to about fifty one bucks. You know. 60 something after a tip and We had a good amount of leftovers we still have Some leftovers right now but I want to hear it From an Italian point of view Um, How does it stack up compared to Domino's Pizza
0: Okay first of all (laughs) Domino's is good in a pinch but Olive Garden First of all I'm still reeling over the Fact that in one of the tweets you put out about Olive Garden you said when you go to a nice Restaurant like Olive Garden Olive Garden's not a nice restaurant Chris it was fine dude It was nice in there it's not a nice restaurant like you don't classify it a nice restaurant like that's like people be like oh when I when I go out to a really nice restaurant like Cactus club it's like that's not a nice restaurant like that's okay like, yeah it is Cactus club's a nice what? restaurant no it's not a nice restaurant that's like, yes it is no no it's not you don't have to dress like formal to go to Cactus yeah but deeper like
1: you don't go in with a sleeveless shirt and basketball shorts to Cactus club. Some unless you're, you unless, yeah, unless you're Shane O'Brien, potentially. Uh, Have you but... seen some of
0: the stuff falling through the door there? You go to the Keg. That's a nice restaurant. The Keg is a nice restaurant. Olive Garden, Cactus Club, you know Browns, whatever. Actually, I'd say Browns and Joey's. Those are those are on different levels. Maybe not Browns, but Joey's. We, you know, we went to Joey's. That was a little nicer. But even then, you see people just stumbling in, whatever the hell they woke up in. They're wearing that. I mean, that's not a nice restaurant. Like the Keg is a nice restaurant.
1: Yeah, in my defense or in your defense, I was wearing a Canucks combo tee and basketball (laughs) shorts in all of guard so it's not like I was dressed up. But you know what? They had nice, nice rustic windows. Uh, you know, big op, big kitchen. They had a wine menu. Like it was, you know, it wasn't it wasn't a goddamn Arby's, which I would have been fine with as well because I love Arby's. But uh, you know, it wasn't no fast food. It was nice. You sat down and had a meal. That's a nice restaurant. There's no. This, you know you don't have to be so picky like is pasta mori not a
0: nice restaurant because we've gone in there wearing shorts all the time. It's night. Okay, so it's with pasta mori it's a little different. When you're going at lunchtime, you can wear whatever, but when you're going at night, that's dinner. You have to go in better attire. Like we can go when at, in the day, whatever. People are working, whatever. You, you you know, you see construction workers eating there. They don't care. But when you go at night, you, you know the vibe in there is different. You and I have been at both night and during the day. You can't tell me that the vibe isn't different and that you have to dress a little nicer. It, it's a it's a fairly nice restaurant. I wouldn't consider like it to be a nice restaurant, quote unquote. Like I don't know. It's just it's a restaurant. I mean, where where's your bar? Like what's a what's a okay restaurant? Like what's what's below nice for you? IHOP. Oh, IHOP. That's like. Like a small step above fast food, but yeah, sure. That's That's what I'm like- saying, yeah, Smitty's,
1: IHOP, you know, Denny's. Those are those are pretty crap restaurants. Those aren't nice restaurants.
0: Yeah, but like yes, if but again, no, no just- hear
1: me out. If you were to go to Olive Garden, right, yep, and you're yep. wearing and you wore like you know not even a suit, just like a nice long sleeve shirt and a pair of black slack, you wouldn't look out of place. If you went to IHOP and you were wearing like a long sleeve dress shirt and you know dress pants and a belt and you got a briefcase like you look out a place at the IHOP, but you don't look out a place at the olive garden so i'm saying it's a nice well, restaurant
0: name a place that doesn't serve all day breakfast and pancakes name name a name a restaurant that doesn't serve breakfast all day try and do that uh, <laughs> damn. yeah i was gonna say ricky's
1: all day grill but that's another breakfast. <laughs> one. um i think that like you know what's a restaurant so i need to think of a restaurant that that's a more dinner yeah. one
0: yeah, uh, you man, can't. You wouldn't, because they're not nice. Like Olive Garden's not a nice restaurant. It's you fine. Olive Garden's nice. fine, dude. It's nice. It's fine. It's, it's fine. A fine. It's establishment. fine. But you, uh, my, when I say I'm going to a nice restaurant, like I don't typically mean I'm going to well, No, bugs. I think I'm just going a to difference. a
1: restaurant. No, there's a difference between nice and really nice. Like you, like you know, the kegs a real nice restaurant. You know, I'm not going to go out and say that Olive Garden is a really nice restaurant, but it's a nice restaurant. Sure. Is all I'm saying. I think I that there's there's a here. difference in that, like I don't know. It, it's a fine establishment to go for dinner. Like Red Robin, you go get that's a place where you you know that's not a nice restaurant. You know that's not fast food. You're sitting down. You're getting food. You're getting drinks. But that's one that you go. You can wear a sleeveless shirt with an American flag on it. Like you don't have to worry about about dressing up. But if you were to go to a Red Robin all dressed up fancy, like you look out of place.
0: I'm I'm gonna I'm I'm gonna say that you could wear the exact same thing to Red Robin as you can't Cactus Club. Like you you totally could. They have a wine menu. They got a big kitchen. That was your criteria for why all of yeah. But uh, nice. no, Cactus
1: Club's like a well, like maybe not now, but Cactus Club is like at times it's like a bar though too, right? Like you know you go up to this the bar, you're mingling. Like that's I feel like that's a different environment too. But like I don't know, like a Montana's is a, is like somewhere that's you know like is Montana's considered a nice restaurant? I I don't know. I I Like I is Montana's, Montana's nicer? Is Montana's nicer than than Olive Garden? I don't think so. I think Olive Garden's above Montana's for how nice it is. I think that Olive Garden had, you know, solid food and the, you know, the menu was made perfectly. They give you all that free stuff at the start and then you you get to your meal and you're probably taking home a bunch anyway. Okay, I think we spent enough time on this. Um, <laughs> yeah,
0: why don't you give an update on Vasily Podkolz yes. I don't think people want to hear us talk about food anymore
1: Anyways, some yeah, something that people uh, I've been getting DMs about And a lot of people have been praising it I've even seen a little bit of praise on Reddit Which is something I don't get obvi- uh, often But uh, shout out Reddit, I'm always lurking on there um, People want to hear a little bit more updates About Vasily Podkolz And Quads, you and I talked about it earlier And, and also Niels Hugliner and other prospects as well uh, Potentially Nikita Triampkin, Depending on how Quads is in a mood um, But but. <laughs> You know, instead of me cutting in before the end of episode uh, of every episode and saying I want to talk about Pod Colson, <laughs> um, I just want to touch on. We're going to do this at the end of every single episode because now that you know he's cranking up uh, the preseason action, it's there's games every couple of days for these two, um, and I just want to give updates on everything. So I decided to start tracking uh, the Corsi percentage of the silly Pod Colson, which you know I can't believe I wasn't doing before because this is you know this is something that I can do and these stats are going to be very valuable so coming out of this game that he played today it was against Kunlan I believe is how they say it um it's I believe it's the only Chinese the uh, Red Star yeah the Red Star it's the only Chinese team in the KHL I'm pretty sure about that yeah, yeah, uh, I could right, be wrong right. but yeah I think they are recently added and um Pod Colson's team was was very dominant I think the shots were like 50 uh, to 15 similar to what the Vegas Golden Knights Against the Canucks was uh, But the shots were 50 to 15 so their team was dominant But man you know you look at that That's about a 78% control Something like that 77% control Of the shot share but Vasily Pod Colson's course he was higher than that His course he sat at 80.8 in this game uh, For 21 shots Attempted while he was on the ice and only 5 Shots against um he drove in again with that power move. Uh, you know, he puts his head down, he rolls oh, past man. a defender, he leans down. It's everything that you want Jake Virtanen to do, but it's coming out of this Russian kid in Vasily Podkolzin and and like I don't know how to say this um in a way that doesn't make me sound like a fanboy, but like every single time that I get to watch this kid play, there's one or two plays where I'm just like, wow, he is going to be a very good NHL top 6 player. You know, like there are things in his game that stick out so hard. And if he comes with that mentality that he's bringing right now, because I think the way that he's playing in the KHL right now is like, I should be the guy on that power play unit. I should be the guy playing in top six. I should be the guy killing penalties. What he's going to do for this World Junior team for Russia at the World Juniors is going to be what he wants to be at the NHL level. We're going to get a taste of it at this World Juniors with him being the best player in this tournament. And I think that that's what he's trying to do on this Russian team that he's playing with, with uh, SKA. Like He has the potential to be the best player on this team, but his coach is making him earn it. And that's probably the best thing that Canucks fans could ask for uh, from a development standpoint. Like He's being forced to play a game... That Travis Green is gonna absolutely love. Because, like, he is way too skilled to play on that team's fourth line. He's too skilled to be on their third line. He should be on their first line. Like, I see the other wingers that are playing there. And a couple of them got a couple of really good shots. Number 72 on their team. I forget. I was looking him up. He's a seventh-round pick of the Sharks. Uh, has an absolute bomb. But like Vasily Pod Colson right now, when I watch this game's. He might be the most impactful winger on that team. He probably should be playing first-line minutes, but he's being forced to earn it, and for his development, I think that's the best thing that we can ask for. So uh, that's my prospect update for the day, unless you got any questions to, to throw at me, quads.
0: I just want to jump in here because, you know, out of all the prospects, I know you watch a lot more than I do. Pod Colton's one that I've actually paid very close attention to, and you know I've been working on that write-up for quite some time now. And I think there's one thing that I want to mention about Pod Colton's team, and it's that apparently it's like Vladimir Putin's favorite team, and he has a stake in the team. This team was founded in 2009, and a Russian outlet that I was reading was basically saying that this team is basically like the Olympic development team. So, they put all of the players on the, that are on the Olympic roster, like the majority of them play for this team. And, you know, when when people claim it's unfair, you know, there were other teams saying this is unfair. The KHL put out an actual statement, an official response saying you know, this this gives our Olympic team the best chance to be successful at the Olympics. And, like, that was the official response, was that, no, this is our Olympic development team. Like, we want these guys to practice. But it's just... Such an unfair team. They're so good. And that's why Pud Colson got very low minutes last year. And you're right. Like, the fact that he's going to be challenging for first-line minutes, and he probably should be getting first-line minutes on this team, like, Canucks fans really need to understand what kind of weight that carries. Because this is no yeah. slouch of a team. Like, this is the best team in the KHL, if not, like, top three. they Yeah, no, I don't, they're don't they're think no
1: they are not They're not the same uh, as it was for that report for the Olympics. You know, that, that team had... Uh, Pavel Datsuk, that team had Ilya Kovalchuk, uh, that team had multiple guys that were gonna play on this Russian team. It's not that anymore. Like it, it it's not um, it's not loaded with the top stars anymore. Like you look at some of their captains, their captains like a second you know, a second line right winger who who's not the greatest scorer. Like their best player, like I mentioned, it's probably this number 72 guy who I've never even really heard of, but he, you know, maybe he's a guy that plays on the Olympic team. But um, you know, Pod Colson got to work his way up to the third line. Uh, in today's game, and I thought that was a huge boost for him because he earned that right, and I think that him continuing to earn that is huge. And the only thing that freaks me out, man, like they had it today, they've had it in the past couple of games with people in the stands. They just had a death in the KHL due to COVID uh, this past weekend. Um, you know, what? Uh, yeah, an athletic trainer I believe you know passed away from COVID nineteen. Um, there's been four games in a row now uh, as of the, when the, the day that this podcast comes out. Uh, fourth day, fourth game in a row for the um, Nikita Triamskin team uh, Is going to be cancelled due to COVID concerns Bill Peters obviously contracted the virus His coach over there um, And I watched these games I was watching one today They have a full cheering section You know, behind the net All the other seats are wiped off um, And they're covered with these covers But uh, SKA had their first kind of game on home ice today And they have a full cheering section behind them Like a full setup in that bottom row That bottom... Uh, the bottom of the bowl on the like behind the goalie is completely full of fans. They're all together, jumping around, hitting drums. They have a full cheerleading section. The mascots are there. Like I just, I think, and I wrote about this, um, I think in the mailbag, but I feel like the KHL is going to have the same mentality in Russia as we're going to see the NFL have in the United States where they're going to think that like, we are such a superpower Sport in our country that we like this thing isn't going to be able to stop us. But man, if they start to get a high amount of outbreaks again. You know in Russia and I think that Russia's been tough at reporting COVID outbreaks so if they do have another outbreak in the fall I, I'm worried for the KHL season a little bit um, and you know obviously having a death this past weekend is huge like is something that you know should be a huge deal but it feels like they're just playing on like I, I didn't see many reports about it um, you know I heard it from a Finnish reporter actually is how I found it like I didn't see anything from any of the teams so I, I, I just I worry that they're going to approach it as you know We're the goddamn KHL. We're in Russia. We're fine. We're too strong for this. And I I just hope that doesn't come to bite them in the ass, you know, because that could, you know, it could
0: affect a lot of people's lives. I'm just, I'm still reeling over that. Why would they have fans all together that just, like, aren't you just asking for trouble at that point? Why wouldn't you just spread them out? I don't know. I don't know. That didn't make sense. Yeah, it doesn't make sense at all. And I mean, you know when we when we look at ways that okay how could fans potentially get back at Rogers Arena in January say there's no vaccine whatever you know there's so many variables say they allow like you know 10 fans in each each um each section right like you look at what we had at training camp i mean it'd be much harder with actual fans and not media members who are working but it it could work like it, it it could work and i mean you're still going to have people on the sky train which would be a concern you're still going to have people in the entrances which would be a concern like they'd have to get really creative to make it work i yeah. i think the answer is just to you know close the building at, to everybody and not let anybody in but you know for training camp it worked like we were there we all felt pretty yep. safe i don't know like i i just i don't know i think putting fans in clumps like the KHL is doing is certainly not no. the answer But I, I, I don't know why they would have fans in there. That just doesn't make any sense to me.
1: No, it, it's brutal And, you know, we saw We've seen a little bit of the rumors About the four different uh, bubbles Potentially for next season um, And just the other thing That I want to wrap up with the prospects And we can close out the episode after this um, But, you know, Niels Hoglander He's set to return um, His his loan expires on December 19th um, You know, could be a nice little Christmas present for them um, Vasili Podkolzin's season Can potentially go as long as the end of April So if the NHL starts up um, In, say, late December, early January I mean, you're only four months away from Vasily Podkolzin joining your lineup, and you're you're potentially slotting Niels Huglander right in there. Um, so a lot of people are asking, when are we going to see these two kids? You know, four months in, let's say they're playing, you know, 15 games. That's that's kind of like a trade deadline acquisition if you can get uh, Vasily Podkolzin onto your team after his KHL season expires. Potentially earlier, right? I mean, if if his team. You know, they, they aren't the best team, I don't think, in the KHL this year, but they are one of the better teams. So maybe they go on a run, maybe they don't. Um, and yeah, he could be back here pretty soon. Um, but anyways, I've got a wedding to do. I've also got uh, a Pod Colson game to watch tomorrow, right before I go to drive to the ferry. So uh, I got to get up early, Quads. I know you want to get back to vacationing. You've uh, you've cleared out the house that you're in and stuck all your friends in a car apparently because yeah. Quads is the the Quad Father strikes again, uh, <laughs> strikes with a strong <laughs> fist once again uh, and kicks everyone out of the house. But um, oh. you're wrapping up your vacation time here. Uh, and I hope you keep to enjoy it man Because yeah you, you definitely deserve it You've been doing a lot of work uh with the editing uh, Not of the podcast because you never do that But editing the articles at Canucks Army uh, Obviously putting in a lot of work there uh, So you deserve this break and, I, and I'm glad that you found a liquor that you enjoy man I'm really happy that you're enjoying the Crown Apple Because I knew you would
0: Yeah I, I appreciate it It's good to have a friend like you for sure You helped me <laughs> out a lot there
1: Absolutely alright well I think we'll wrap it up there unless there's anything else you want to close out Normally I cut in with something at the end quad You got anything to cut in with? Wait, I've got a prospect update. No, I don't. It's all good. Yeah, this is a great episode, Chris. Right on, man. Well, we'll wrap it up there, folks. Uh yeah, we were planning on only going for 30 minutes. We're we're closing it on fifty now. Uh fifty plus, I guess, with the intro that everyone hates. I gotta go unlock long. the car. Yeah, unlock the car. Did you even crack a window for them out there, Quads, or give them you know, oh, a little bit of water I, I really water gotta go. I really gotta go. <laughs> Alright, well we'll wrap it up there. Uh for David Quadrelli, my name is Chris Favor. Thank you for tuning in to episode ninety eight of the Canucks Conversation.